welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, August 7th edition of the pod. We took a little bit of a week off uh, against our will, partially, and now we're back. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, trying to be back. We're, we're there. I say we're there. I got, sometimes you get got. Yeah. I, I got got by, uh, by illness. Yep. yep. And... And now back in the saddle, and thankfully, Jake, we actually have a lot to talk about. This, this is might be the most newsworthy episode we've had since the early parts of July, since I mean, free agency. As far as August podcasts go, this is like really uncharacteristically news heavy. Yeah, so, it, so it's that's actually nice. great. It's great. We don't have to just like go around some things, figure out some questions. Come no. up with some topics. We actually have stuff to talk about. And I mean, the biggest one is definitely, right? Alex Stalock signing for the Ducks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. But I mean, I, f- I find that way more interesting than it seems like a lot of other people do in our Discord. We'll but get the- there. We'll get there. But the biggest news, the thing that that we've all been waiting for finally happened. The Ducks avoided arbitration with Troy Terry it never got to the hearing if you haven't seen the news by now uh here it is the Ducks and Troy Terry agreed a seven-year contract seven million dollar AAV and what more is there to really say except that Troy Terry is very good and mm-hmm. very slash extremely deserving of this contract yeah 100 and it came down to the wire they ended up having to extend the arbitration hearing because they were getting so close to that hearing and they were close on a deal. So they got an extension, I think by the NHL for that. And they ended up signing to that, signing him to that contract. And I think some people may say, well, why did it take this long um, to get there? If they ended up valuing him and this was the contract he ended up getting in at the end of the day, we talked about it at various different points in time, right? This was Troy Terry's leverage. That arbitration hearing was his leverage. And he even actually had a quote in the, I think it was this uh, Eric Stevens article today. um, That was more or less his agent said like the day before, oh, there's still plenty of time. Like (laughs) almost trying to calm him down that they're there. This wasn't a big deal. Um, Oh, here it is. I'd ask my agent, was anything going on? And he'd be like, uh, oh, there's plenty of time. But I'm like, the hearing's in a week. And he'd be like, nope, that's plenty of time. Just trust me. That's just how this goes sometimes. And so three, four years on the line, no one's going to remember this. Everyone's going to remember the contract he's on. And it's a perfectly, it's exactly where he should be. And so I was curious. I don't know if you play around with this tool at all that much. Cap Friendly has a comparable contract. And so you can hit compare this contract and it will pop up with some contracts that uh, are similar to that. And largely in due to the path in due to or due to uh cap it percentage. And so what that means is you look at this deal and you look at it and you say, okay, seven years, seven million dollars uh per year. And that may seem a lot if you're kind of adjusted to the Ryan Getzloff contract, right, of eight and a half million and thinking, well, this is up there on that. And you have to always readjust to where the cap hit is when that was signed. And so the Ryan Getzloff contract, for instance, I don't know why I'm going on this tangent a little bit right now, but um, I, I'll look up the cap percentage. But more or less, the percentage of cap is very different for this deal than that one. Um, but so some of the comparables, Kevin Fiala, the one that he signed with the Kings, seven years at uh, 7.875. So that was for 9.55% of the cap. Uh, Troy Terry's at 8.38. Jesper Bratt just signed a deal 
of eight years at 7.875, 9.55% of the cap. Um, Josh Anderson's contract of seven years, 5.5 million. That was 6.75% of the cap. Jonathan Huberto, when he signed his deal at 24, six years, 5.9 million. That was 8.08% of the cap. And so all of these names kind of, I think Huberto is the only one that really had a takeoff season, but it took a while to get there. And I think all of these guys, when you look at it, they all end up in the like 60, 70 point range, right? I think the the Fiala, if you look at him, he had 85 points uh, going into that that contract season or into that uh, that contract that summer. But he's also making more than Troy Terry is. And so I think at the end of all of this is as long as Troy Terry keeps up the pace that he was the past two seasons and doesn't improve at all, this is exactly the right contract for where he is. And while we're talking about the cap hit when it's signed – it's going to become better and better as the cap keeps rising. Because the one thing we've talked about at length with like Alex Kalorn and things like that is the cap's expected to rise. I think like about 10 million over the next two seasons. Right. And so when you have that factoring in, this deal is going to look like a steal in two years when what second liners are getting $7 million a year. Maybe not that to that extreme, but still like Troy Terry on the Ducks team, I think is a first liner, no matter what. And it's a great value contract for this team, a great contract for Troy Terry. And so this yeah. is exactly what you want to see, a win-win for all parties. Yeah, I think that there were maybe maybe some fans had sticker shock of, whoa, you know, seven times seven for Troy Terry, a guy who, you know, two, like three years ago, wasn't really anyone in the NHL. But... When you look at the level of play that he's brought the last two seasons, you know, he had 37 goals two years ago. This season, he had a bit of dip in scoring goals, but he was still a 60-point guy. And just his ability to impact the game in all three zones, his ability to drive play, to defend. Troy Terry is a legitimate first-liner on any team. It's not just because he's on the Ducks. Like, the way that he plays, it translates to any type of style, to any type of system. And this is the going rate for that for a first line winger who's who's in that age range. And so I don't think that this is like a steal by the Ducks. I also don't think that Troy Terry, um, you know, got got like exactly maybe what he wanted. Maybe he wanted more cap hit. Who knows? But this is just like a, like you were saying, a fair deal for both sides. And the Ducks are going to get as long as Troy Terry just remains what he's been. He doesn't have to improve you're paying for what he's for what he is now and the way he plays i mean honestly like barring injury and you can say that about any player it should hold and it he should be full value for at least the next 4 years or so yep and so i found Ryan Getzloff's percentage of cap when he signed so his deal was 8.25 for the AAV so only 1.25 mil more than what Troy Terry's getting on this contract yeah. um that was for 12.83% of the cap though versus 8% of the cap for, yeah. for Troy Terry. And so a better comparison, and this was one that I came up with kind of right away, because when Adam Enrique signed his contract, I think, what, he was like 29 years old, uh, maybe 28 years old, that contract was for five years at 5.825 mil per year, and that was for 7.33% of the cap. Troy Terry's, to kind of go back to it, is 8.38. And that ended up being we criticized that contract at the time because of the five years, because of uh, 
aging curves and everything like that. But Adam Enrique was able to become a great player over the course of that contract. And I think provided actually proper value for the Ducks on that deal. And he was about a 40 to 40 point guy for the Ducks over the course of that deal. Maybe slightly below value when you think about it like that. But kind of compare that to the Troy Terry deal. If Troy Terry, like you said, stays 60 points, like perfectly good value for him. The And... I think that even if he does take a little bit of a downturn near the end of the deal with the cap rising, that is not going to be hard to deal with because of that. Well, and he's also much younger than Adam Henrique was when he signed. So you're you're going to get it, it's not like with Adam Henrique where the number was I mean that that Adam Henrique contract was was fair value, but also you're paying a guy for more so what he's done than what he is at that I, point in time think the contracts are going to end at a similar age. Yeah, but Troy Terry is younger now when he's signing. Yes, but it's a seven-year deal versus a five-year deal, but yes. Correct. But the point is, is that you're paying, you're actually going to get Troy Terry's prime years, whereas with Adam Henrique, I mean, the, the, the fact that Adam Henrique is playing well at this point is more of like, relatively speaking, like he's he's had a couple of good seasons, but it's more so the fact that you're expecting him to decline at this point. And so yeah. the fact that he's fighting it off is more of like added value. It's more of like a yeah. bonus. Whereas Troy Terry, I think you can realistically expect him to be a full value first liner for another four or five years. Yep. That's that's not something you could have said when Adam Henrique signed his contract. And I think probably the deal the Ducks or that that Troy Terry looked at the most when negotiating this was probably the the one that was just signed by Jesper Bratt. That eight year deal for well it's also a similar age range for him similar age range 7.875 and if you look at jesper bratt he's had the last two seasons been great 73 points each for the last two years uh the lot or the covid shortened season 30 points in 46 games so really good that year also but pretty big jump to go from 30 and 46 to 73 and 76 and troy terry similar thing 20 points and 48 in the covid season jumped to 67 and 75 and 61 and 70 last year and so it makes sense that he came in a little short AAV wise of Jesper Bratt by making because he's didn't score as much as him. But I think that when you compare it to that and think about that setting the market for this deal, um, I mean, we're just kind of walking around this a bunch of saying this is a fantastic deal for the Ducks, fantastic deal for Troy Terry and right right around where it should have ended up being. Um, and yeah. I mean, Troy Terry is going to be a duck for the next seven years. That, yeah, that I is mean- a great thing. That's the biggest thing here is that I think that we've we've all wondered what who does Pat Verbeek see as part of this team's core? Who who is the core according to to Pat Verbeek cuz he hasn't really had to make these big sweeping moves like this one. He has a couple more to make this summer, which maybe we'll talk about later on, but this is Pat Verbeek announcing very loudly and clearly that Troy Terry is an integral part of this team's core. For for the the remaining, I mean, really the remaining prime of his career, and I think that that just shows, if nothing else, to me, that Pat Verbeek sees and evaluates this team correctly from that point of view. That because I think that if the Ducks had really hardballed Troy Terry, and you get to that point where he signs a one year deal, it's just really a suboptimal outcome. And the Ducks avoided that, and they didn't just they didn't just avoid it. They they put us. They put their stamp on this, and now they have Troy Terry locked up for the rest of his prime. And I mean, now Troy Terry is in a position where I think that the the calls for him becoming the captain are only going to grow louder and louder. But you can actually build with him now. You don't have to have this 
you know, hanging over your head. There's no uncertainty. Now it's just full speed ahead. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see how he can grow as a leader and just how he can, how he can continue to expand his game. Because if we've learned anything about Troy Terry in the last few years, it's that he's always looking to improve. He's always adding things to his game. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he has another season where he really goes off and, well, and shows us something else that we hadn't seen. And the other point of this is we talk about it so much that guys get a pass, I think, for for Dallas Aikens a little bit, that we want to see them not underneath Dallas Aikens. We don't really talk about that too much with a guy like Troy Terry, do we? Because it's more, it's because he's, he's almost exactly. He's the one who defied that where he and he was good in spite of of Dallas Aikens. It's funny. I had forgotten about this, but. This, the, the year where he broke out for 37 goals, he was a healthy scratch in the yeah, first in five game games. One. Yeah. And I remember at the time it being this whole dispute of, oh, is he hurt or is he a healthy scratch? And is he was he a healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a healthy scratch. And it just goes to show. And this is kind of like the a good moment to just take stock of this great story that is Troy Terry. I mean, he's a fifth round pick. Yeah. His coach never trusted him. He shuttled back and forth between the minors his first few years. Dallas Aikens all often had him as a healthy scratch, despite him playing some solid hockey. And despite all of that, he persevered. He grew his game to a level that just even his most ardent believers really didn't see coming. And now here he is signing a, a life-changing contract that's going to set him up financially for the rest of his life. Like it is he, it is a really crazy story if you think about it. He went from undesirable to unfreaking deniable. <laughs> Is that a wrestling thing? Yes, 100%. Okay, that sounded very wrestly. Yeah, but it yeah. but it's true. I mean, yeah. it, it, it that's really what happened and it's 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 honestly rare that you see these kind of stories anymore. I feel like in the NHL just because it's such a scouted league, you don't really see guys come out of nowhere anymore and yeah. yet and yet Troy Terry managed to 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 beat that trend and it it's just cool. It's cool that we got to witness that. Yeah, and I think I mean there was the the interview that uh Ducks, the Ducks put up that was him and Max Jones talking and you could just kind of see him and how happy he is. And it's like, this is someone that's really gone through it all, especially those two together, right? Yeah. Those two came up through the minors, worked their way to this team together. And you could just see how happy Max Jones was for him and how much they were just kind of like enjoying it together. And I think that was really, really cool to see. Well, especially you think about that class of players, that class of prospects, you know, you think back Max, you know, when you would always hear about the Ducks next wave, it would be. Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, Max Contois, Josh Mahura. Um, there's someone else that I'm forgetting right now. Jacob Larson, right? Like that was kind of yeah. like the the next wave. And almost all of those guys are gone except Max Jones and Troy Terry. And so I think that it must be pretty special for those two to be able to share that moment. And I mean, hey, Max Jones so far, his NHL career hasn't been probably what he hoped for, but I think maybe even just being around a guy like Troy Terry, that has to give you some level of perseverance thinking, hey, he stuck through some pretty tough times and he made his career into something amazing. You know, why couldn't I do that if I just stick to it? So I think that that's what's cool now is that we all kind of know the, the Troy Terry story, but the the story's not finished yet. Like there there's no, seven more years of it, it. It's just beginning. And I mean, you think about it like this, right? The Ducks contending window is probably going to open in the next couple seasons. And yeah. Troy Terry is now going to be here for all of those. And I think the the Eric Stevens article that came out today, I think was really, really fascinating to read. I think that it was one of Eric's best articles that he's written. It was just 
he summarized things, added uh, information, wove a story that I think just was absolutely fantastic. And I think some of the things that really came out of that is that Troy Terry should be the captain of this team. Like, I I just think there's no doubt in my mind. Which we've been saying, by the way, for like a year. (laughs) Yeah, but like you look at just the the little things, right? The fact that he would watch Ryan Getzloff's press conferences to understand how Ryan Getzloff handled those situations. And just observing that type of thing and understanding that that's probably something he should see how to handle himself there. It really shows when you see his interviews, right? And just how not only polished, but how... Because Ryan Getzloff, I think, he never gave you typical hockey speak he was he, he, he was robotic but in his own way it was really weird where he he had a little bit of attitude in like a fun way to his answers but yeah without really saying much of anything either troy terry is definitely the opposite of that sure but i think that he he kind of adds a little bit of that same element you can see the influence there i guess is where i'm going with it um but but i think the other piece is kind of when you you look at what he said at the end is that he talks to Troy or talks to Ryan Getzloff and Paul Korea on the regular. Like those are the two guys that he he talks with the most. And those are the two most iconic captains in franchise history. Yeah. And yeah, it, it just seems like he cares. Yeah. <laughs> it like for just to kind of simple it down, simplify it down yeah. here. He just really cares. He cares about being a leader. He cares about his place in kind of Ducks history and if it seems like we're kind of waxing about this, we are like because it's just a story that this, we've that we've followed that and that we've seen well, the ups and the downs. You think about the first season we did this podcast. Yeah, that was I. That was one of the first kind of weird things I decided to say on the show was that Troy Terry is going to play a game for the Ducks this season. Yeah, and I think that from that point on, it was something of just kind of watching his game, watching his career. And there was something I think there that made me excited to see him and thinking the ducks also valued that. And I think to have this guy, uh, essentially prove that what, or prove what I had saw or I saw back then. And it's all, all on him, but it's just, it's been really fun to watch and fun to see and see this story kind of unfold in front of us. Yeah, exactly. And to just kind of wrap this up, I would say that, now now we just wait and see kind of how just how he can grow into his role the next few years you know he just continuing to establish himself as a first liner potentially being captain but i think regardless of if troy terry is captain or not he's very clearly going to be a leader on this team and just his story is such a it's such an easy sell if you're a coaching staff to say hey look at this guy you know he wasn't a top pick he wasn't a guy who really got handed much as a prospect and he found a way to defy all of that and, and, and just will his way to becoming a star. Is, is he Martin Madden's best find? Uh, I mean, I think if you look just at the draft, uh, like the ranking value, the, you know, the, against the pick itself, he has to be Yeah, 140th overall to get this kind of player is, is not the norm whatsoever. I mean, I think that, Ultimately, Leo Carlson probably ends up being the best Ducks draft pick for, with Martin Madden, but that's yeah, different. Not, not about, yeah, I'm not talking about the best player that they draft. I'm talking yeah. about the best value that they the, got. The best value would be Troy Terry without question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean there, there, there will be arguments for Andre Kasha, but I, I think you can maybe <laughs> make an argument for like a Josh Manson. Yeah, Josh Manson. But the thing is, Josh Manson was what, a fourth round pick? Yeah. Fifth round? It was fourth. It was either fourth, fifth, or sixth. 
but I don't think I'll double check that. I don't think that he became the level of player that Troy Terry became, although he became a very solid defenseman and Andre Kasha. I mean, he, the fact that as what I think is a seventh round pick that he is, even you're right. Sixth round pick for Josh Manson. Okay. Well, one of my three was right, but Andre Kasha, it's just the injuries, but he was a seventh rounder and he managed to crack the NHL. So yeah, Martin Madden's good at drafting. (laughs) Yeah. But Troy Terry, I think is, is truly his kind of bat flip moment because that is a, that is a guy who you got in the mid rounds and he became a star. You that just that just doesn't happen very often. Yep. So, on that note, uh, should we move on to maybe less less exciting news for a young Ducks player? Yep. Let's do it. So Isaac Lundestrom tore his Achilles in summer training and he's going to be out until January. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and January is just kind of the hope. At least, yeah, at least January. We don't actually know because I think the turnaround for an Achilles tear is six to nine months. Yeah. And so he tore it. I think it was in June. Well, if they're saying at least January, then that means that's the six months range. Yeah. So he I mean, he could miss almost all of next season, basically. And I got to say, this is just horribly disappointing because Isaac Lindstrom is one of our top candidates of guys that I want to see under not Dallas Akins. Yep. <laughs> and now to see that he's going to be right. If it's almost like the Jamie Drysdale situation last year, but maybe even worse where it's a guy that you just, you feel like there's potential for him. And now he gets robbed of a great opportunity and we're just going to have to wait and see how many games he even plays next season. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely frustrating because you look at a lot of the micro micro stats that, that we'll look at from time to time. And He's a guy that really grades out well in transition, but the the puck just kind of dies on a stick in the offensive zone. And it almost just feels like he needs to be surrounded by better players or have a different coach deliver a different message for him once he's in the offensive zone to just essentially utilize him properly. And it's just, it's a shame that, that this, that this happened. Well, it's a shame Um, for his wallet too, because he's, I was about to get there. Yeah. He's going to be an RFA this upcoming summer. And if you remember correctly, he uh, filed for arbitration last summer, and that's how he. But they ended up settling on a two-year deal for 1.8 mil. I kind of wonder if, I mean, the first question is, I think the Ducks would probably still offer him a qualifying offer. I don't think that they would just cut bait after this type of season. But I do wonder if he would just take that QO, because there's no like arbitration is not going to do anything because he missed half of this past season, right? Yeah. like he like that that's i think the hard part for him is he missed or not half he missed 21 games so he'll admit he missed 21 games last season and this upcoming season he's gonna miss probably about at least 40 games at least half the season he's missing half the season almost for sure and then it's a question of how much more will he miss because and he might not be back till like march well and here's the thing even if he's back in january who knows what percentage of health he's going to be at. Right? Yeah. I mean, how like, long it's going to take him to get back up to NHL speed after that. Yeah. And Achilles is no joke. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, think about when you're skating and you're flexing that ankle to push off. I mean, your, your Achilles, I mean, it's true for anything, but like everything runs through your Achilles when you're moving. So yeah, it's going to be really challenging for him. And I mean, really the, the hope is that he can be back by January and just get up to speed and hopefully just have at least a good stretch, you know, down the remaining months of the season. But that's that's like a best best case scenario. So it just really sucks. 
I feel bad for him. It sounds like it was just kind of a freak accident. It wasn't anything like, you know, he wasn't like on a scooter or something like doing something dumb. It just sounds like it was just a, tra- a training injury. And, and hope, I mean, this, this isn't like a death knell for his career or anything. I mean, he can still definitely come back and be fine, but it just sucks. We're not happy about it for him and, and wishing him all the best really. Now though, the question becomes <laughs> the ducks are down their third line center. They're, they're presumed third line center. And so what do they do now is a very fascinating question because there's a lot of candidates, but there's not necessarily a lot of candidates that you're excited about or that you know for sure are proven NHL talents. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be interesting because I think there was a lot of conversation when it happened about, okay, what does this mean for Leo Carlson? Cause I think it's an easy thing to to think about, right? You see a set of ducks go down and and make that case. JD Davis home run. Let's go. Yeah, the Angels had taken a two to one lead though. Um, well, now it's tied. So. Yeah, I know. I see. Um, <laughs> Thank you for reminding me about the lead that doesn't exist anymore. That's, yeah, it's very nice of you. Well, they were down one nothing, and now they're tied. So you know, it, okay. it's all all working itself out. But um, it, and what does that mean for Leo Carlson? I don't know if it necess- this this injury necessarily means anything. I guess the real question is whether or not Isaac Lundstrom was going to be the third line center or the fourth line center on this team. Um. And so I guess maybe that question get gets answered and uh, with him not being there. And that makes it easier for Leo Carlson to slot right into the third line center role. Yeah. And there's not as much of a question there as there might've been with Isaac Lundestrom. But I think most likely Lundestrom probably would have been the, the fourth line center with Carlson being the third line center. So I think what this probably more so does is opens the door for a Bo Grew or maybe a Nathan Gaucher to make the team. Yeah. I mean, here's two things. So one, this probably increases the chances that Carlson gets NHL games. Although I think he's probably getting NHL games anyway. Yeah. But I, but my own opinion is that this should have no bearing on what you do with Leo Carlson. 100% longer term. Like, and I don't think it was it, going it, to, I don't think it was going to, but it bears just stating that he, that Leo Carlson is a longer term game. I mean, that was the entire rap about him throughout the draft process, and that hasn't just changed all of a sudden because Isaac Lundestrom is hurt. Leo Carlson, whatever you do, you're doing it independent of anything else, and if it happens to be that the NHL is the best league for him, which I severely doubt, but let's say that that's the case, then you do it on those merits and not because there's an opening. But yes, to what you were saying, though, the ramifications are very interesting for a player like Bo Grew, who is entering a stage in his career where like you're you're getting into put put up or shut up territory with a player like that. Uh, Nathan Gaucher is a is very young. He's going to be a rookie pro, whether it's in the AHL or the NHL. But I think that this at least cracks open an old window of opportunity for him to make the team. Those are really the the two names to me that come to mind because outside of that. I mean, you're, are you going to put Sam Carrick at fourth line center? I mean, it's possible. I mean, I think, Sam Carrick last year was not very good, but the year before, like, was solid. Yeah. And and I think, you know, he's he's had some health stuff going on, too. So I think that with Sam, I think what they likely do is Sam Carrick, like, this is just speculation, of course, but I think what yeah. they do is Sam Carrick is going to be one of those centers, and then one of the young guys takes the other spot. Because I can't see them doing Gru and Gaucher. I mean... Maybe they do it anyway, um, but I just don't really see that being the case. I, I think that no matter what, you have to give one of those spots to a younger player. A, because you don't really have a choice, but also B, 
you want to see, I think you need to see at this point what Bo Guru can do in the NHL. He's 23, and I just don't really know how much more developmental runway there is for him. Like, he's entering that stage of he kind of, he probably is what he's going to be or close to it. And so you want to see what that looks like in the NHL. Because last time we saw him in the NHL, it was not super exciting. The, the skating looked pretty limited. The playmaking was limited as well. He had a good season in San Diego last year. And so now I'm just, I'm hoping for him and for his career that he can come in and, and show so, you something. He's going to be so, 24 in February, by the way. So let's assume this, that the top six is Troy Terry, Alex Galorn, Adam Henrique, Ryan Strom, Trevor Zegers, and... Uh, McTavish, sorry, uh, him being on an ELC, kind of put him lower on the cap-friendly list. So let's assume that that's the top six. So here are the names that are left for this Ducks team outside of that. You have Jacob Silverberg, Frank Vetrano, Brock McGinn, Leo Carlson, Sam Carrick, Brett Leeson. So that was one, two, three, four, five, six. So there's six guys right there. Yeah, but Leo Carlson likely makes that five after a few games. Like, I don't think he's sticking around all season. I I think, I mean, we'll see. Do you really I'm not think gonna... he, do you think he plays more than nine games? I think so. Really? So you think that they're willing to, to burn that first year? I think that, I think that doesn't matter for them. I think it's where, if, I think if he is proving that he is at that caliber, then he will stay in the NHL. Okay, but what do you, but sure, but that's an if. What do you think actually happens though? Do you think that they that he sticks around past fifteen games or what have you? I th- think that he, he plays prob- a significant think, chunk of the season. I think he plays a significant chunk of the season. I think if he is playing well but not dominating, they'll send him to the World Juniors. See, and these I'll are all conditional the- statements. I want to know what you actually think will happen. I think he's in the NHL for sixty games next season. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm well, gonna probably be dead wrong. I have well no then. reason for this. I'm just, you know, you put, you asked me a question, and I well, gave you're, you an answer. You're, you're waffling around, and I just want to know what you think. Okay. I, yeah, I don't care so, about your scenarios, but yes, I sure if he's playing well and he looks easy belongs, they'll give him more games. But I just have a hard time seeing so, him okay. sticking around. Back to kind of where I was going before we we take a quick little break here. But uh, so let's say Leo Carlson, Brock Brock McGinn, Max Jones, Frank Vitrano. Sam Carrick, uh, and Brett Leeson. Those are the six. So one of those guys has to be scratched then. So probably Leeson, if that's the case, <laughs> yeah. for a Bo Grew. Is Brett Leeson or, on this team? This he season? maybe, yeah, who knows. <laughs> so I, I think that there's a chance, though, when you look at that, that Nathan Gaucher or a, a Bo Grew is there. Because, yeah, I don't see Brett Leeson necessarily mattering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Simple I would agree with that. It. Um, but yeah, with, with Bo Guru, I, I just think that they're going to look for him to get that opportunity in part. Like it just makes sense that it, it just where he's at in his career, plus the openings on the team, it's going to line up. It might not happen right away out of training camp because I do think Lil Carlson will play on the ducks out of training camp. But then once he goes back to wherever he goes, then I would look for, for maybe some things to change there, but it's not necessarily this great big shakeup with London Trump being hurt, but it does just create that kind of uncertainty at that spot. And I, yep. if so, if you were to bet you, so you're basically saying that Leo Carlson will be the third line center this season. Yeah. I, okay. I don't think that the top six is as locked in as I said, I think it's going to be mixed around for a top nine more so. 
Okay, with but, those but, other guys so strewn in. Leo Carlson Sorry. is one of your top three centers this season. Uh, yes, I'm going. Okay, there. why not? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm smoking the hopium. I'm trying to think who I would put there that realistically sticks because I think that uh, I think Bogu will get a chance, but I don't know if he sticks around. So, hmm, I'll make I'll try I'll make I'll make a prediction here. Let's go with Nathan Gauthier. You know what? Why not? I think who's, that who's the third line center? I think that him and and Carrick just kind of platoon. The, third and the, fourth line. Third and fourth line. I just think Nathan Gauthier is a prototypical Verbeek player, and I predicted he'd make the team last year. It obviously did not work out for me, but I'm I'm going back to the well. Going, yeah. I just I honestly just don't see Bogru pulling it off. Maybe that's a little harsh, but I just don't see him pulling it off. So yeah. So all right. So today we're here for a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like babies, your delicate little guys have sensitive skins and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at manscaped.com. Use our code CTP for 20% off plus free shipping. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. The They designed this package to allow you uh, to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop, crop Preserver Anti-Chafing, Ball deodorant, uh, crop reviver, ball spray toner, anti-chafing boxers, and the shed travel bag to hold your goods while traveling. The lawnmower 4.0 uh, body trimmer and weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer feature proprietary skin safe, te- advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof, so you can shave with less mess. In addition to shaving, you can now upgrade your shower routine with the ultra premium body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply your their aluminum-free ultra premium deodorant that uh, for that cologne quality scent on the go. Uh, the Platinum Package 4.0 covers all bases from head to toe and hair to ball fro. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CTP. Use the platinum package because the gold standard is no longer good enough. If I, if I could go the rest of my life without hearing you say holes ever again, I would, (laughs) I I would be, I would be just fine. Like Salem, Salem for whatever reason was very excited about the ad read because she jumped up onto my desk during that and I had to get her away. (laughs) My... My life would be just fine if I didn't have to hear you say holes. Every time I say holes, I'm like trying to get a glimpse of you because I know you hate it. I mean, I don't actually hate it. It's just, it's just not the best. It's not, well, it's not the most ideal. Anyway, thank, thank you, Manscaped. Matt, Good. Matt, saying the real reason we tune into CTP. Yep. <laughs> I hope that's not true, but also, <laughs> hey, whatever. Any publicity is a good publicity. Um, okay, let's. Uh, should we talk about Verbeek comments next or Alex uh, Stalock? I guess let's do Alex this. Did. Let's do this really quickly. It was. It uh-huh. came out. Uh, Derek had tweeted about it that Jacob Silverberg suffered another blood oh, clot. 
during the right. World Championships, likely from a block shot during the tournament. He's currently on Blood Thunders and expects to be ready for the start of the season. So not anything necessarily to impact the start of the season, but just something I, I hope he's doing okay. I hope so too. And I hope that he is absolutely good to like play NHL hockey, mm-hmm. that, that he's not pushing it uh, unnecessarily. So we'll just have to wait and see. Don't really yep. want to speculate on that too much. Yep. Let's t- let's talk goalies. Kay. Let's talk goalies. So today, Kay. fresh hot, fresh off the stove, fresh out of the oven, fresh off the grill. I'm running out of analogies here, but fresh news. The Ducks signed a goalie, Alex Stalock, to a one-year contract and 800K. And on one hand, this could be a nothing move. On the other hand, I think that this is at least an intriguing move because the Ducks have... Two goalies in the NHL, John Gibson and Lucas Dostal. And they have two goalies in the AHL and Callie Klang, who's coming over, and Gage Alexander. Where do you see... First off, I guess we should address, is Alex Stalock any good? And Alex Stalock was okay last season for the Blackhawks. I think he played in 27 games and had like a 9.08. Yeah. And his expected goals, his GSAX was almost even, which like we've talked about playing on that crappy of a team is kind of kind of good. Before that, he missed some time due to complications from COVID. And prior to that, he was kind of playing his way out of the NHL a little bit. So he had a really good bounce back season last year, all things considered. And now here he is with the Ducks to kind of shuffle the deck chairs a little bit. Yeah, I mean, your initial statement of this is a nothing move it is kind of where I fall on this. So he, if it, he, if it's a nothing move, let me ask you this. Yeah. Where does everyone play? So I, I was going to get there. So first off, he's 36 years old. I think that's an important piece of this. One-year deal, $800,000 cap it. It is a one-way deal. So if he is in the minors, he is going to be making that same amount of money. That typically ends up not mattering that much, to be honest, especially when you're talking about 800K. And I think for the Ducks, probably – so. Probably what they wanted with this deal is they wanted a veteran guy that has played in the NHL that they have no concerns about being claimed off of waivers that they could send down to the minors and call back up and play him if they end up having injuries like they did last year. Because as of last year, right, we had Ole, the Ducks had Ole Erickson Act playing games. And I think that they probably did not want that same situation of having a Dostal and... Uh, Callie Klang, a Dostal and Gage Alexander. Yeah. And so I think that is why this deal was made to add depth within the organization where you have a guy that has played NHL games as recent as last year um, is getting paid and probably was happy to sign with the Ducks because he's going to be able to live in San Diego near the end of his career. And so he's probably going to go down to San Diego, probably split the starter duty with Callie Klang or Gage Alexander. And I think the other one of those two is going to end up going to the ECHL and probably play almost every game in the ECHL. I think going to the ECHL as a goalie is not completely abnormal. No, I think what's interesting about this is that I think there's multiple layers. So I think on on one layer, which is what you're addressing right now, is the depth piece, which is true that right now as things stand or as things stood before this move, if one of Gibson or Dostal gets hurt, you're calling up a very unproven goalie to the NHL. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that's just a scenario you'd prefer to avoid if you're the Ducks. I think the other layer to this that's kind of interesting is that Lucas Dostal is still waiver exempt. And so he's waiver exempt for another yeah. season. And 
as we've seen historically with John Gibson, there's going to be stretches of time where he's playing a lot of games consecutively. And I wonder if the Ducks are thinking, you know, if we can just send down Dostal to get some games while instead of just sitting on the bench, we don't really care if Alex Stalock is the one riding the pine. But if we can get Lucas Dostal some extra development and kind of get away with it, have our cake and eat it too, that's just like a bonus as well. So I could, I could see that being a factor in this as well. And also there's just the piece that Lucas Dostal is not like they like, they really like him. And I think that he's worth the, the, the hype, but also you don't really know what you're going to get out of him this, this upcoming season. He, he's never, he's never played more than 21 games in the NHL. So regardless, it could be a big jump for him in playing time. And so just kind of having an additional Mm -hmm. security blanket and stay lock, it doesn't hurt either. Yeah. And I mean, Elliot Friedman, I think on a 32 thoughts pod near the end of the season basically was like, I think when talking about John Gibson potentially trading him is that the Ducks are like trying to find starts for Lucas Dostal because, uh, because of the fact of the matter is they view him as a, as a potential starter for them. And so they want to get him start starts. They think he's an NHL or they want to get him games in the NHL. And so the pushback I'll have briefly though, is we don't know how Greg Cronin's going to run John Gibson. The, the playing 10 I mean, straight look, games. Look how everyone has look at look at how everyone who's coached John Gibson, who's managed John Gibson, has allowed him to run freely. So Randy Carlisle and Dallas Akins. Yeah, but also Pat Verbeek and Bob Murray. Like it's been the same with everyone. Like, I don't know. I don't necessarily know though. I mean, this is now a completely different situation. Like is, is, you, Pat you, Verbeek, but, is Pat Verbeek but, just like helpless here? That but he when can't was say anything? when was the last time that there was a young guy uh, that was the backup for John Gibson? I guess that's not the point. The point is just that the Ducks have been happy to let John Gibson but play that, himself into the ground. The scenario is completely different, though. It has to be part of the point. It was always having a veteran backup like a Ryan Miller, like a Jonathan Barney. I mean, look, if, Someone, you're, if you're saying that they're all of a sudden not going to play John Gibson that way, that could be true, but we just don't, I think, we don't have any precedent for that. No, we don't, but also the situation with And also, where Lucas the, Dostal was on the team last year, and they still played... Uh, John Gibson that way. They didn't they really did not, change. Once they did Dostal not do, came up. Once he was up, it was different though, because jo- well, a lot of times it was because John Gibson was hurt for part yeah. of it, so that's why he played at different lengths. We didn't really ever have a situation though where it was Gibson fully healthy and it was Lucas Dostal as the backup for a long period of time. It was, and so all that to say is, sure, you could end up with that situation, but it is a complete unknown at this point in time of if that is how they're going to handle. It. It's a different coach a different situation, them wanting to get Dostal playing time, them also probably trying to think that we don't want to run, run John Gibson into the ground so that he can have favorable favorable results if we're trying to trade him. And so they, they probably don't want to play him 60-some-odd games this season. But hasn't and that so been I, true for years, though, and they just have refused to do it? I mean, this year, more so than ever, than ever before, there was so much smoke to the deal. And so much smoke around all of that. And the fact that Gibson wants a trade, basically, at this point in time. So that is a completely different element. There's a whole lot of these things of... It is a very different situation right now than it has been in years prior. And so I think judging this off of all of those prior years and stating this... John Gibson has always played 10 straight games. So that's going to happen this year. I don't know. Sure. I mean, that it's could not be the crazy. Case. No, I'm not <laughs> saying it's not crazy. But I do think it warrants pushback. And it's not this locked-in set and No, it's thing. not. Things and could that, that's what change. I'm getting at. That's what things, I'm getting at is that it, yeah. it's a completely different situation this year. And things so could going, certainly change. But having said that, I think your point about Alex Stalock being able to come up and ride the bench is a valid one of if that does end up happening, 
that is an option for Lucas Tostel to go down and play some games. But I think that possibility, I think it's more likely they change up what they do with their rotation, though, as compared to to that. So I think more likely than not, Alex Stalock is there as a veteran backup to be in the AHL or to be a backup to Lucas Dostal if John Gibson gets traded. I think that's what it slash also, I guess, depth if someone gets hurt. You're, you're saying that this signing means there's a Gibson trade imminent? Is that what you're saying? I th- no, that is not what I'm saying at all. Uh, that was that I, was like I, that was like half the reactions I saw. I today. think it would be way more imminent if it, he was a valid NHL backup. I think if they had signed uh, Stolars, Anthony Stolars, to an extension, I think that it's way more likely Gibson was traded than it is uh, Alex Stalock. Also, side note, it was really messing with me today when I saw Alex Stalock because for whatever reason I kept reading that as like Stolars. Yeah, similar names. And so I saw that. I'm like, wait, Solar signed with the Panthers. And it yeah. took me a minute. I'm very curious to see what they'll do because you just literally have an odd number of goalies. And I'm curious how they're going to hand out starts and playing time. I think for the AH, for the AHL guys, you're probably not too happy about this <laughs> because up until today you were thinking, oh, cool, I'm, I'm going to be – getting a bunch of games in the AHL and now that's looking less and less likely. Yeah. I mean, like just purely from their perspective of Cali, I think that they want to play more. And so I think that one of them was not going to play as much. It was that plain and simple. And so I think what this ends up, what this ends up doing is that one of them is now going to go to the ECHL and play a lot more. So I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm done. I'm almost done with saying moves or nothing moves with Pat Verbeek because that's what I said about Nathan Bollier last year, and boy, did that burn me. Yeah. So so I'm like looking at every angle. How is this going to work? Like the whole Robert Hag thing, the more I think about it, the more I think <laughs> he's for sure in the NHL. But Well, yeah, he he's the seventh D-man. The other piece to this too is that like, I mean, yes, it's great that they got another body, and if, and if it is purely for the AHL, then even better. But Alex Dalek just had a nice comeback season, but he hasn't ever really been ever really been that good. Yeah, and so it's you, you, it's a, you'd it's rather a, it, it's a warm body to to ride the bench. You'd rather see someone come in that can actually play a little bit, but if they could, then maybe they wouldn't be available. So. Yeah, and maybe they would not sign a deal at 800k where they could go to the minors. Yeah, like this is this is just a great deal for like, the Ducks because they they take on no risk and they just gain flexibility. Well, because here's the other part of it is how many teams are looking for goalies right now, right? And if you sign him and expect to probably put him on waivers, he could get claimed. Like yeah. in some ways, they're signing a guy that won't get waiver claimed. He, I mean, he might. He like nah. he he played a lot last year. All things considered, eh, I doubt it. Someone just gave him a contract, so I have he, no clue. I, I doubt that he will get waiver claimed at the beginning of the year. That's oh, well, no, more so that's more. that's for sure. I think throughout the course of the season, if he's playing well, that might yeah. be trickier. Like That's why I think it's likely or Dostal is the one that, that is moving around. because well, that, That's also why I think that Stalock is going to be in the minors for most of the year, and it's just going to come up and not necessarily play enough ever to get uh, to need waivers again. Yeah. I just think if if that was my whole thing is that if you just are purely getting a guy for the minors, then get a minor league goalie like Alex Salak's been an NHL goalie. So anyway, uh, Pat for B cut some comments that we should probably touch on. Yeah, he had a lot to say, actually. He did. This was, this was kind of one of the more candid ish 
totally on a curve here, Pat Verbeek interviews. And at least the big takeaway for me, this was all really about the Ducks' prospects and their farm yeah. system. Yep. The number, one to, the number one response that caught my eye was when he was asked uh, where Leo Carlson would play next season. He said, we're going to find the right league. If the NHL is not it, we'll try San Diego. If that's not it, then he'll go back to Sweden. We're just going to wait and see. And I find that fascinating because that almost seems kind of set in stone. Like, this is the game yeah. plan. This is what we're going to do. And I feel like Pat Verbeek is, like, allergic to giving us straight shooter answers. Yeah. And so for him to just kind of give us the playbook here is interesting. Yeah. And so that's why I think he's for sure starting the year with the Ducks. And then I think it – I mean, I think that basically says it. If if he does not – is not thriving at the NHL, I think they will send him down after five, six games to the AHL, probably play maybe 10, 15, 20 games there. I think probably make it to the World Juniors, go play in the World Juniors, and then – if kind of they view the best place for him to go to after world juniors is back to Sweden. And that's kind of the path. Yeah. Are they going to do the Shane Wright thing with, with Leo Carlson, not to the same level, <laughs> what do but you mean? just, just like basically we're going to hang on to him in our system up until the world juniors and then release him back to his amateur. I guess is well, not an amateur club. That here, was also, a, that was a different situation, right? Because of him not being able to go to the AHL. There was like some yeah, weird thing but, where he was they able were, to have a conditioning stint down there, yeah. but they were it, finagling it pretty hard. Yeah, with Leo Carlson, it's not finagling it. It's just simply, okay, we want him to play. And, and probably also, like, the other part of it is play 30 games with Matt McElveen, right? Like, yeah. play play that many games or maybe not 30, but however many it I mean, end th- up being. this quote also could be interpreted as saying nothing because it's like, well, we'll try. We're going to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's a game plan, at least. It's more of a sequential thing, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, another thing that Verbeek said was was asked about is if Carlson were to be ready, who moves to the wing, Zegers or McTavish, which you could already kind of quibble with that framing because it's like, why can't yeah. they all play center? But he, is, he answered, uh, I don't see McTavish moving to the wing. Probably Zegers is more of a candidate to move to the wing just because I see Leo as a centerman, a big centerman. <laughs> just had to get that in there. <laughs> I think let there's me, a chance wait. for... Let me just finish the quote. I think there's okay. a chance for him to be really good at both ends of the ice. He's a very smart player at both ends, and he has the range to be able to defend down low. I just see him as having the potential to be a really good two-way player. All of that about Carlson. The one thing I'll push back on that question a little bit, in addition to kind of what you said already, as much as Pat Verbeek is the general manager and probably has final say in a lot of things, that is more so a coaching thing than anything else. Like, well, it's an organizational philosophy, too, of where do we see this guy that we're about well, to give a big contract to, where do we see him playing? Yes, it's not fair. just coach, but but I think that c- the coach is going to make that decision at the end of the day where someone slots in the lineup if he's going to be a wing or a center. And so if they get to a game and they end up thinking that he's going to thrive better as a center and that's what the coach views it as, then he's going to play as a center. Yeah, I think that we had a really good conversation about this in our in our discord and Patrick, good friend of the show, had a really good point that. And this is something that we've talked about too, where we know we're in an era of hockey where the positions are way more fluid than they used to be. And even last season where Zegers was playing center at times, he wasn't really playing the traditional center role on his line. He wasn't the one coming down low to support, to do the dirty work defensively. He was more floating out in the off in the defensive zone waiting for a breakout pass. And so I understand the trepidation of Hey, Trevor Zegers has shown his best hockey as a center so far, and and that's where he should play. But at the same time, 
I do just want to pump the brakes a little bit and say that if if that's where he ends up playing, there's still a world in where he's very very effective um, as a as a quote unquote winger. It just all depends on how he's used within the system, what the system is even. Yeah, I, I think there's there's some quibbles, but I think at the end of the day, for me, it's more so a, what players are he surrounded by, and I think it, that is yeah that like, is very important. If he's in a position where he is being maximized, where the the line setup and his responsibilities on that line are set up to maximize the player that Trevor Zegers is, then I have no issues whether he's a center or wing. I do have issues if he's on the wing like we saw last season where Dallas Higgins had him on the wing because he just didn't trust him as a, as a center, yeah. where, where he had him there to do less, not really to maximize him. It was always, well, we want him there to take stuff off his plate. We, he, we don't want him to have to think about defending, blah, blah, blah. And you're not really teaching a player anything in that scenario. You're just kind of, you're just, I mean, you're you're basically just giving them less stuff to learn. So it really all just depends. Yeah. I think my own opinion, though, is that I think Trevor Zegers is best at center because of the way he can exploit the middle of the ice. And that's ideally where I would have him. In my ideal world, all three of these guys, Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegers, and Leo Carlson are centers. And you run this three-headed monster for the next 10 years yeah. of Ducks hockey. But if that doesn't come to fruition, it's also not the end of the world either. It, it yeah. all just depends on how well, they utilize them. And I think like maybe if you do Leo Carlson, Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry together. Like, that's a great... Like, <laughs> yeah, and we saw Zegris with McTavish and Terry last season, too. Mm-hmm. And that line I mean, was dominant. I think a lot of it is Terry and Zegris, just anyone who plays with them thrives. Yeah. And so that that would be a great way maybe to, to work Leo Carlson in. So, and the other takeaway from this that a lot of people had was a lot of people thought that uh, Pavrobeek was stating, or kind of their takeaway was uh, Olin Zellweger is not making the team. And Pavel Manchuk. I don't understand how you get that from this. And so <laughs> here's the quotes from it. Cause I want to at least lay out the quotes. Cause I don't necessarily agree with that takeaway. I know you don't either, but he- here's the quotes from Paverbeek is patience is going to be required from everybody from myself, from the coaching staff, and even from our fans. They're good prospects. They just need time to grow time to mature. They're so young. It's not an easy league. As I told some of the guys, listen, skill wise, I'm probably thinking wise. You can play in the NHL, but strength wise and speed wise, you can't. So those are the things that you've got to really get after in the summertime to make sure you're ready for the NHL. And then he added another quote. Uh, there's another quote kind of near the end of the article, article saying, I'm going to be patient with the defense. It's a hard position. I want those guys to be ready. And so I think you could look at that and maybe maybe a guy like Minchukov. I think you could have a bit, bit more of a takeaway as probably not going to be in the NHL to start next season. Probably is going to have to earn his way up. When you specifically think about the strength and skating side of it, um, or strength and speed side of it is, I don't know if necessarily that's something Minchukov has to work on, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's a powerhouse. Olin Zellweger, on the other hand, and this is kind of where I took a little bit of issue with that, that narrative that was going around is that dude is a tank and you watch any sort of edge work drill or any sort of thing that he does and his edge work, his skating, his speed is all like near the high end of what you would want. And so I don't necessarily know how I would look at that and that quote of saying, but strength wise and speed wise, you can't um, and think that that applies and that he was talking about an Olin Zellweger. Yeah, I mean, it's tough with these quotes because, of course, it's not exhaustive. Like there's other stuff, yeah. too, that a young defenseman has to do. 
And I think with Zellweger, it's less about his physical attributes and more of just, is he going to be able to actually play the NHL game at a high enough level defensively where he's not going to be in a coach's doghouse and where he's not getting scratched and, and this and that. Cause I think that if he's in a situation where he's not in the lineup every night for the ducks, he's going to be in San Diego. That's just that that's it. I think that that's the takeaway from these quotes regarding the D is just that if they're not NHL regulars, they're probably going to be goals, which is fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's especially if you made this investment in Matt McIlvain, like they did. Exactly. And, and so I think that, now you look at the Ducks defense with Fowler, Gudis, Hag, Colton White, Jamie Drysdale, and I think piecing together some of those names, Uro Vakanainen, that may be closer to what the Ducks blue line will look like come opening night than having a Zellweger, Hellson, Lacombe, having a bunch of youth on there. But I, again, my own opinion is also that these guys are really freaking good, and I think they're just going to come in and kind of shock the world a little bit and make the team regardless of how patient Paverbeek wants to be. Sometimes the young player, like we've seen with Troy Terry over the years, they just forces management's hand. You have to play me. And so I could see that being the case here with, with these guys and the angels yep. just robbed a home run. So that, that feels great. Oh, uh, great. I'm that not, sucks. you're watching and I'm not, Oh, it's three, two. Thanks for Thanks for the update. I didn't even see that. Um, all right. Anything else that we need to cover that we hadn't yet? Um, no, I mean, I think that there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm just kind of, I'm just waiting to see, I guess the, the last shoe to drop, the shoes to drop are Drysdale and Zegris. Yeah. And Zegris was interviewed about the contract. Honestly, nothing he said is really worth discussing, but I just think I'm just very curious to see where that ends up because unlike with Troy Terry, we don't have a deadline for that. So that could drag on it kind of indefinitely going into the season. And then with Jamie Drysdale, you figure that that's an easier one to get done. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Oh, the other thing I noticed today, this was very random while I was looking at this, but I went on the Ducks website to just look up articles. Yes. And I noticed that they were had some stuff about promotional schedule and had something about the the 30th anniversary jersey. And I noticed that they, they said that the sweater will be accompanied and they said plum, but whatever. <laughs> but by plum pants, socks, helmets, and gloves. Yeah, that's a, so that's not black. Because thank God. Yeah, because wasn't that your your biggest thing? You're like, it's gonna be black. They're gonna wear black. It's gonna be boring. I mean, with that. now but now I ha- now I have the benefit of being pleasantly surprised. So. Now the the look is gonna be really good. I think. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. the The eggplant helmets are just are just lovely. Yeah. Um, I really hope though. This is now a little bit of a, a gripe that I have with the reverse retros, the, the first reverse retros that they had. Yeah. Is those gloves were just eggplant with white lettering. And if you look back at the Ducks 20th anniversary eggplant gloves, they had the the uh, egg, they had eggplant gloves with white lettering, but they had the jade trim on the letters. And that just looks so much better. That little extra layer of detail. Yeah, I, c- I could see that. Um, so I hope that they... I hope that they don't like cut corners here and give us something oh, really nice. The other piece of, I guess, Jersey news is they retire. They're not going to have the orange Jersey this year. Oh, cause they, they're call They are calling this a, let's see. The new Jersey will serve as the eighth alternate look in club history and first oh. debut since the 1819. It also says at the bottom, uh, the fifth alternate Jersey made its appearance. I have to attend to cap duties. 
Okay, I will read this and relay to Felix at once he's back. The fifth alternate jersey made its initial appearance on October 16th, 2015 and featured an original Mighty Ducks logo set on an orange jersey accented with gold, black, and white trim. The jersey was reintroduced on October 5th, 2019 through 2022-2023. Can you hear me? Yeah, so basically the thing said it was reintroduced in on October 2019 through the 22-23 season. Man, that I did not realize. So the the eggplant jersey is going to be their their third. Correct. That's what it sounds like. Wow. Man, I'm surprised they're getting rid of the orange one. I do we think that it's going away for a year and will come back in some fashion? I mean, as they've a, they, they've done it before. So a, as the new home jersey. I mean, I don't want to keep setting people up for disappointment. So if the Ducks make the playoffs next year, and this is the biggest hope for if they do, you get to say what home jersey you're wearing. Oh, and so it doesn't have to be your home jersey. They could wear the eggplant. Would they wear the eggplant jerseys in the playoffs? There's no way they actually would. There's no way they would. Because there's maybe a 1% chance. Oh, man, that would be so good. Yeah, that would be so good. Well, now I'm excited because how many times do you wear? uh, They're wearing, I think it's like 20 some odd is what I've heard. Wow. Yeah, okay. they're going to wear them in like half of the games. I'm just glad I don't have to see the Ducks regular jerseys that number of times. That's I mean, the that's, big win here. Yeah. Uh, all right. We are an hour in and have not gone over a question, so we should probably do that. Uh, what is this? What is this? Uh, SB84 says, <laughs> will Jake... Con- We're going to Discord first, by the way. Will Jake continue to try to butcher the Crone Zone? Why am I butchering the Crone Zone? I don't know. Like, I don't what is know. that about? I don't know, Spencer. Let me know. Olaf is berserk. Said, "How much better is Troy Te- the Troy Terry contract than the Tom Wilson contract?" Uh, a lot. <laughs> Can someone <laughs> like, explain that contract to me? I, I, I know. I thought he was um, older than twenty nine. So at first, I thought, wait, like, oh, he's only twenty nine. Yeah, he's not actually that old. Why does he feel like he's like thirty five? It's because he's been around forever and he's got been in playoffs. He's been on our TVs for a long time. A lot. He has. That, but that's he's 29, shocking. but it's still a lot. It's still a, sh- a crap ton of term for a 29 yeah. year old. So uh, Jack Jane said, what's more embarrassing? Jake's angels <laughs> losing six straight after adding at the deadline or Felix's giants getting swept in a two game series against the A's. Uh, I can't speak for the angels, but getting swept by the A's sucked. I mean, yeah, losing six straight sucked, especially the four straight. Well, especially because you guys added, you guys actually made moves The the giants and- just, the Giants just—I uh, can't even really describe. And what especially they did. after winning that game in Atlanta, and then losing the next two and coming. I—I I, I think the losing, losing two of three in Atlanta, losing two of three in Toronto, it wasn't fun, but okay, fine. It's the losing four straight to the Mariners was bad. Well, and also the thing with the the Angels is they needed to win. Like the the Giants, they got swept two games, but they're still well above five hundred. They're still solidly in the wild card, so. Yeah, I mean the angels. The, the, the angels. It's like every game is swinging the fan. Yeah, they've emotion. somehow. They're now seven and a half games back in the wild card. Yeah, so it's not looking good. Um, all right. Uh, Shake and Wing said, "What will happen now that Lundestrom is injured? Does Silverberg retire?" And also said, "Does Silverberg retire after this year?" Uh, and he's wondering who who scores the most power play goals for the Ducks. Um, uh, so we talked about the Lundstrom industry. So I think it's been confirmed that he's going to go back to Sweden after this year. Has it been confirmed? I think that I that's... think I think it's been confirmed that that's what he wants to do. When yeah, he's done sorry. In, in yes. NHL. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, most power play points, I'm going to say Trevor Zegers. Power play goals. I'm going well, with there, Rick Tavish. There, there was points also. Oh, who who scored the most for this this past year? Oh, I think that was meant to be for this upcoming season. So, yes. yeah, points. Yeah, I'll go with Zegers. Goals, I'll go with McTavish. And then hot take on the Canadians was yeah. also in this question. Yes. Uh, I'll go Jeff Petrie plays games because <laughs> that's a thing that happened. Okay. The Eric Carlson um, trade. Hey, OD Flow said, why is our uh, food and drink channel gone so soft? How can we band together to restore the channel to its prior? I don't know. People, people just want to say wild shit and have zero consequence for it. That That's that's what this dumb kumbaya I mean, movement that's is about. Kinda like, that's kind of like it's being sub- taste is subjective. Well, guess what? If you have an opinion, be prepared to back it up and fight tooth and nail for it. <laughs> or you can just say, this is my taste. Deal with it. It's It's boring and lame. Okay, okay, next question. Uh, Ducks Dragonet said, I know Pat Verbeek essentially said more or less that Mintukov and Zellweger won't see much NHL time for development purposes. Uh, kind of, we pushed back on that a little bit already. But with both having dominated every level they played, what kind of performances would they need to have in San Diego to force Pat Verbeek's hand into bringing them up? Or would he remain stubborn and just let them make a Calder Cup run? I, I think they'd have to really dominate. They'd have to be putting up points. They'd have I think to it's be, more so Mintukov, but yes. They'd have to, you know, dominate, put up points play a two-way game, and also you need the NHL guys to not be so exciting. So, yeah. yeah. Um, OG Leo Carlson Truther said, who's Felix taking uh, at 1.12, so in our fantasy football draft? I don't know. I have done zero fantasy prep. I I have not done any either. Uh, First place station followed up saying, who's Felix taking at (laughs) 2.1? Yeah, they have the snake draft. Yeah. So, that's fun. All right. Fashion Pariah Plant Ranch said, favorite vacation you've ever been on? Ooh. Probably like vacations as a kid of like going to the beach house. Cause I feel like when you're a kid, the beach is just like the best thing ever. So those childhood memories, probably. I think probably the Europe trip I did in 2016, I proposed to my now wife. Then we did a stadium tour of Tottenham. We went to a two Tottenham matches, went around London. Then, then, then the trip became about you. Went, went to Na- <laughs> went to Naples and visited her cousin and had some of the best food we've ever had in Naples. Then went to Rome and had some of the best lasagna we've ever had and went around Rome. Nice. It was it was an amazing, amazing trip. That's probably one of my favorite vacations, especially when we were in Naples, kind of had some relaxing time on the beach, uh, kind of mixed in with kind of more city-type trips. So it, it was really nice, one of my favorite vacations. Um, Ferdinand said, does a Salux signing mean I get to watch Dostal on the goals this year? At least to start, especially considering Dostal's contract is two-way this season. No, I don't think the two-way and one-way thing really matters when it comes to I Dostal. I think he means, if he's talking about the waiver thing, then I don't think the, the Salux signing does that, but Dostal's probably going to play I, some games in the Well, I AHL think he's also year. meaning with two-way with the fact that it's less money in the AHL. Yeah. So the Ducks pay less. But no, I, I think, I mean... I think that Dostal starts the season on the docks. I think Stalock starts the season on the goals. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Fashion Pariah Plant Wrench uh, all said, also updated odds on Tatar and Kane signing with the docks. Kane is at 0%. Tatar? 0-0. You think 0? I'll go with 5%. SP84 said, are we human? And Lou said, are we dancer? I don't know. Our signs are vital. Our hands are cold. Uh... Duck Shagrant said, the year's 2024, the month is June. We've just watched another team hoist the Stanley Cup, and we celebrate what we widely consider a remarkable, mar- uh, remarkably successful Duck season. What happened to make it so? 
for for this upcoming season to be remarkably successful. Greg Cronin had this team performing in the way that the the talent should have been performing. Greg Greg Cronin wins the Jack Adams, the Ducks. I'm not gonna say make the playoffs, but be the team that we think they can be. Yes. And play They are who we thought they were. Like just that the Ducks become this kind of narrative darling because of their improved play. And and also maybe you have an Olin Zellweger in the Calder uh, yeah. tr- Calder race. I mean it's yeah. the list of rookies this season is kind of insane. Yeah. So that would be fun. But I think that's what it would be. Is the Ducks really just fulfilling this kind of potential that we keep talking about? Yep. Um, all right. Tibbolt said, is there any possible way the Ducks season can be more disappointing or frustrating than the Angels? Uh, no. Just just <laughs> no. No. Yeah, I'll take your uh, word for it. SP84 said, will the Ducks score at least 246 goals? Is that their total from last year? I, I don't know, but that is three goals per game. Uh, sure. I don't really pay attention. Oh, damn it, Lou just spoiled what just happened for me. Gosh darn it. It's okay. Um, this is why you don't watch sports while doing podcasts. But oh man, <laughs> how is my stream so far behind? Oh, I'm not watching the stream. I just looked at the score. Oh, there we go, Patrick Bailey. Oh my gosh. Okay, can we can we keep going here? Best catcher in baseball. Oh, can, that was we, that was to can, load the bases. Can can we keep going here? Tie game three three four three. Can we keep going here? All right, I'm moving on. <laughs> Rank Luno, Warren, Hellison, Lacombe, Zellweger, and Minchukov in order of best to worst ceilings. Uh, sorry, can you repeat that? Luno, Warren, Hellison, Lacombe, Zellweger, Minchukov in order of best to worst ceilings. Best ceiling is Minchukov? Is Zellweger in there? You said yeah. it really fast. Okay. Yes. Number one is Minchukov because I think best case scenario Minchukov is has just a lot more runway than a uh, Zellweger, but I'll put Zellweger number two, number three, I'll put Luno. Granted that's, that's maybe a little aspirational. And then after that, uh, Lacombe and Hellison. And what about, uh, where'd you have Warren? Warren oh, last. I mean, if Noah Warren becomes like Noah Warren has a lot of potential because of his athleticism and size. So, I might have him ahead of like a Lacombe or Hellison, honestly, because this is all yeah. potential based. Yep. Like, like uh, he, he could become like a monster shutdown defenseman. Yeah. Um, Frodo Ducks said the Carlson deal has to mean that the Ducks are at worst second to last place in the Pacific, right? I can't see how the Ducks are ranked behind the Sharks in any reasonable projection for the 23-24 season. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yes. The, are, yes. So, so we're saying... That that because of the Carlson trade, the the Ducks are locks to finish ahead of the Sharks. Correct. I don't know if that's like the the thing with the Sharks is they got a lot of NHLers back. They ha- they have NHL bodies on their team. I'm yeah. Not, they they still lost a guy that was one of the most one of the best players at five. I mean, he was also one of the worst defensive players in the NHL. So yeah, but he was a- he was giving it back. I'm going to say that it's not a lock. The Ducks are better than anyone in the Pacific Division. Just, I'll go with yes, because why not? I mean, here's their top their top nine. Barabanov, Hurdle, Zetterland, Hoffman, Couture, Duclair, uh, Sturm, Zadina, Peterson, 
And I think this is before adding in the guys they traded. They got Jan Ruda on the back end. I don't know. Like, this is a team that's... I just... It's really hard for me to say the Ducks are better than anyone after last season. So, this there might be a little bit of that to this. All right. And we've got... Actually, I have a question and a text message. It's from my cousin's daughter, who over the last, I think, year or two has become a very big... Uh, Big Ducks fan. Wow. And now listens to the podcast. She is in high school. And so I wanted to give a massive shout out to Sydney. She said, hi, Uncle Jake. I have two questions for the next episode of the podcast. I can't listen and ask uh, live because we're out of town. But uh, so I thought I would ask it now. What do you think the key to Trevor Zegers' game improving uh, or what uh, What do you think the key is to Trevor Zegers' game improving? Will he need to have better line mates or working on his attitude towards the game and staying out of the box? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for the question. I think that I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna go a little theoretical here. I think that Trevor Zegers needs to touch the puck more. He needs more puck touches because when Trevor Zegers has the puck on his stick, yes, good good things happen. So the question is, how can you get him to increase his touches? And I think that part of that is going to be for him to get stronger so that he can win more battles. Part of that too, though, is going to have to. Oh wow, the Giants. Uh, part of that is. Part of that is also him just being in a system and being with line mates where he's going to have opportunities to get the puck more often. So building a line in a way where he's going to be getting the puck a lot. Yes. So yes. so if there's really one way for him to get better, kind of one stat, it's just get the puck more. And I think that comes down to coaching and putting him in those positions to, yep. to thrive in that as compared to misunderstanding who he is. She had one other question. She said, do you think that McTavish, Seager, Stroman, Carlson, if he plays in the NHL, will be in a center and wing uh, rotation for the beginning portion of the season to see the, where they will fit best? Um, I, I, I'll i jump on this real quick. I think that probably McTavish will stay at center. I don't think he'll rotate to wing at all based upon Verbeek's comments. I think Carlson, if he's in the NHL, is going to be a center also. Strom will be on the wing. I, I don't think Strom will be playing center much this season. Zegers, I think, will swap between center and wing, though. Yeah, I think that I could see that being the case. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go to Twitter DMs, and then we will go to Twitch and YouTube. I'm avoiding uh, Discord right now because I don't want to see the Angels stuff because it hurts. Giants up 6-3, <sighs> going into the bottom of the ninth. Camilo Duvall, one of the best closers in baseball. The Angels are going to lose seven straight. I this, mean, this season's done. Um, all right, uh, let's <laughs> let's see. I feel uh, bad. Like I'm not yeah, really you, enjoying you, this. You should. You should. Like Rubbing it doesn't. The... It doesn't do anything for me to beat the the Angels. Like they're not a rival of the Giants. Thanks. I mean, beat them in the O2 World Series. Well, no, that. but uh, Hockey South asked. Uh, <laughs> August is here. I mean, congrats. You're staying cool. C- congrats on that from like 20 plus years ago. <laughs> for, the, for the next pod, uh, should uh, Terry be a fixture this season on the PK like Ajo is for Carolina? Great players play both. Why not Terry? Wait, what? Should Terry be on the penalty kill? Uh, sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I have a this question from Trevor Zebra said, "Do you think Verbeek is on the hot seat if the Ducks finish bottom five next season?" No, no. I think I think no. he has one more year of kind of just no expectations really. Yeah, and then he brings up the the quote about Zegers uh, being the candidate to move to wing and said, "Does the that Verbeek comment lead to believe or lead us to believe that Verbeek will be playing wing next year?" That no, Verbeek I don't think it. 
that Zegris will be playing with. No, sorry. No. I, I don't think that means that. I just it's just think more that, of a long-term outlook kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Also, exactly. our Discord is just... The Angels fans are just melting down. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh... Anyway, it was this is not this is not fun. Oh. This is not fun at yeah, all. You guys, all right. had, you guys had O2. All right, here we go. We're going to go to we're going to go to Twitch and YouTube. If you're in Twi- the Twitch chat or the YouTube chat and you want to just stop watching uh, the Angels and only watch us, put questions in the chat. It, so uh, <laughs> if you're listening on your favorite podcast services, though, you can find us each and every time we go live at twitch.tv slash crash pond or youtube.com slash crash pond. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month, and you can be just like Ken Paf, who resubbed for the 41st month, and Ducks Jaggernaut, who uh, resubbed uh, for 10 months, and support the show in ways that more in ways more than you can imagine. Um, or if you are not on Twitch and you're on YouTube, and yes, you listening to this episode right now, all of us are on YouTube. Everyone uses YouTube as Felix is putting his hands up. Because the Giants Angels game, and I feel very sad right now. <laughs> they still only uh, have one out. If you happening. want, if you want to make me feel less sad, go to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash correspond. Like our videos, subscribe to the channel to find our live videos. Just you just have to go to the live tab. All of the 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 streams are up there. Um, like the like the video, subscribe to the channel, comment there. I see all of them. So thank you all so much for that. So. Uh, we have this one from uh, Miguel Gutierrez. Four years from now, which deep prospects do you still see on the team? Ooh, great question. Honestly, I think the only ones you can confidently say are Zellweger and Mintukov. I think everyone, af- everyone after that, it's Drysdale. Like, is he a pro? He's not a prospect though. I mean, he's he's not. A, I, he's an I NHLer. Guess, let me rephrase this. Uh, in four years, which D men are on this Ducks team? In four oh, okay. Uh, sure, you can throw Drysdale in there. I think Fowler's contract is done at that point. I was trying to remember. I was trying to look when does Fowler's contract He has four more years, so that's exactly when his contract ends. So will Cam Fowler get an extension? Uh, does he just retire after that? I mean, how Maybe. old is he going to be when his contract expires? Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, 7-3, baby. <laughs> You know, you know, you don't have to announce every here's word, the thing, every thought, every thought that comes the, into your head. The Giants have had zero offense. Everyone, they've had zero offense the last like three weeks. So this is really enjoyable. Um, yeah, um, no, I think I could see uh, Fowler signing out the contract that would finish out his career. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, DB Lowry said, "Which uh, Greek tragedy best describes Anaheim sports?" Sisyphus seems too basic. <laughs> I don't know Greek that's tragedies for you. that well. Okay, yeah, I that that's a question for you because you're the Anaheim sports fan. Um, well, I don't know Greek. Are you, do you know Greek tragedies that well? Because I don't. I mean, I I know the Sisyphus one where he rolls up the rock every day and it rolls back down. Oh, it's definitely Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Connor McVoy asks, "Uh, are you going to going OCI right now, Felix? Good luck if so. I don't know what that means." I don't know if that's referring to something to on law school thing, but oh, thank okay. you. Thank you. I'm not interviewing for anyone right now. Okay. If that's the question, but thank you. Okay. Um, all right. Thank, thanks Lou. Uh, it looks like I don't see any questions necessarily. I know there were some earlier, but I can't really find them, but, uh, anything you want to add as if people want to put questions into the chat and they can, uh, linger in anything you want to add, anything you want to say, anything you want to get off your chest, Seeing as we haven't been live for two weeks. Uh, 
yeah, baseball's in full swing. It's good to see my team getting some points on the board. There's still only one out in this game. <laughs> uh, there's two outs now. I, I, I think I can go back to not paying attention to the Angels. I think it will be better for my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really funny that this happens to the Angels every year. Thanks. This year might be worse, though, because... This year may- is definitely this year is definitely worse because they were playing so well. Yeah, they... They well also there's everything with Otani and they made all these moves and and it just it just won't matter. So wait, did you say points? I may have <laughs> said points. Blake Sable, <laughs> yes. Make it eight three. Eight points on the board. Alright, at least you said points. Points, uh, baby. Just right. points. Anything you want else you want to talk about? Uh no. That's that's kind of all I've got. You know, school's about to start back up for me, so here we go again. It's about to get busy, but may I may try to get out to the the prospect tournament in Vegas. We'll see. Can't confirm or deny. Exciting times ahead. We still. Yeah. Do you want to make a Zegers Strysdale prediction? They both signed this month. That's not much of a prediction, but okay. I'll say Dang. that they one of them signs before our next podcast. Wow! Wow! Uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing for me was, uh, last week was my son's first birthday. So oh, there you go. It was, it was a very, very good time. So happy birthday to him. He is happy now birthday, one years Luke. old. I cannot believe he is one years old. Yeah. Well, wait till he's like 18. Thanks. When are you going to get him on skates? I feel like you're letting him down as a hockey I mean, parent. He can't walk. Hey, most NHLers start skating at two. So you're running out of time here. Am I? Wait, he just turned one. How am I running you have out a of year. time? You're, you have a year. <laughs> how you just said I it run- goes by fast. How, how am I running out of time? He can't even walk yet. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, damn, you could be molding an NHLer right now, but you need to get on your horse. You have I mean, a year. I mean. You, you have a year. This kid is actually relatively well-coordinated. There you go. So what's he's your able excuse? to put a basket, a little basketball in his basketball hoop, and knows where it goes, and is able. Yeah, he he's very very coordinated when get, it comes get to a, that type of get a get a stick in his hand. Get get a mini sticks, little little, little uh, toy ball that you can hit. I around. will eventually. I got him a, a toy baseball and a toy bat when we went to the Angels. Damn, game. you want him to be a baseball player? Official. I mean, he used it you to had hit the one, you had one job to develop a, a hockey player. I mean, I feel like actually playing baseball would be the better long-term plan for me. Correct. Correct. (laughs) But we want to see, we want to see him skate. We want to see him, you know, OV junior style. I mean, there's all, he can't walk. I'm just saying time's ticking. He can't walk. (laughs) So what? Get him on skates. (laughs) I feel like that's dangerous. Well, no, when he puts his foot in his mouth. Well, no, but you, you get him. You get him the little uh, support thing that they, you know, you you have your skates on, but you have the thing you put your hands on. How is he supposed to stand on skates? You hold him. Be a parent. Hold him. He (laughs) wants to sit down and crawl. This all seems like an this all seems like an awful like idea. Hold him up. Help him. Guide him, and he'll be flying around before you know it. All right. Give me give me a minute here. Give me a minute here. (laughs) What are you looking up? I'm not looking up anything. So let what am look. I giving you a minute for? <laughs> just 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 give me a minute. Let, let me see something. I'm going to run this by my wife. <laughs> well, I'm, hey. You can't hold me you can't hold me to this. 
Let me, let me see if she'll actually come here. Why? Why are you? Why I, are you I need to. I need to ask her so she can give her opinion on your statement. What's my statement even? That what did I really say? Skates. That he should be on skates. Get him right on skates. Now. Get him on the little you the little double bladed skates. You can't fall with those. And if you do, oh well. Get back up. That's the lesson. Wait, wait what do you mean by double bladed skates? This is the difference between someone who grew up in Canada and someone who didn't. I feel like what, so little wait, what, little kids. A- they have they give them the skates that have two blades, so that it can make it makes it easier for them to stand. Oh, it's, it's like four wheels on rollerblades. Kinda. It's it's not. It's two. It's two blades of um, metal. On Monica, a skate. come here so the 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 microphone can pick you up. Felix is saying that we should get Luke on skates right now. That we're doing him a disservice. By I did not say skates. that. I did not say that. That is now getting wild. <laughs> she. She went, Luke's like this big. He's as big of a, as a skate. Uh, Get him on skates. Within the year is what I'm saying. Within With, the year, he said. Once he hits two, he's got he's to gotta be on skates. Uh, uh. <laughs> He'll love it. He'll love being on the ice. Yeah. He needs to learn to walk first and well, stand on stand well, without holding on to something. Well, why isn't he walking yet? Who, who, <laughs> whose, whose feet does that land at? Wow. Who's in a position to teach him how to walk? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing with, with this kid. He can squat up and down like nothing else. He can do it with barely holding on to anything. He just doesn't want to take those steps. He's got the strength. I know he does. You know, just tell him, hey, kid, one foot in front of the other. Walk. <laughs> Everyone you does wanna, it. You want to come down here and teach him? I'll teach him how to, I'll teach him how to play hockey. I can do that. <laughs> Put me in, coach. But yeah, okay. you got to get him skating. <laughs> you have this very narrow window of creating an NHL phenom. He, he can't walk. I understand. I'm saying you have the year. Two years old, is that's the date that he has to be skating by. You're getting torched in our Twitch chat, by the way. <laughs> Am I? Uh, kind of. All right. All right. If you want to wrap this thing he up, He doesn't need to it. be a full-on skater by two. He just needs to be learning to skate by two. Hopefully that makes sense. Sure. There- okay. Well, on that note, uh, did not see that coming. But thank you for listening, everyone. Hope everyone everyone's on my side, <laughs> according to DP Lowry. I think we're all on Felix's side. There we go. Uh, we want to see you have the next Ducks prodigy. Imagine that. Okay. Imagine that. This Kay. is about the- do this for you. Don't do this for him. <laughs> I mean, a lot of hockey parents, you could argue, aren't really doing it for their kids. One hundred percent, they're all doing it for them. And just watch the video of Mitch Marner as a kid with his dad, just screaming at him uh, along the along the glass. So I don't know who is that really about the kid. If you're if you're screaming at your kid in any sporting event, like, is who am I to tell someone else how to parent? But that's just not it. Like, it's just not it. It's about having fun. So I hope that you, Jake, and your journey as a sports parent do not become like that. I I won't. I just want Luke what, to have what, fun. What's your like little league dad um, attire going to be? B- bucket hat? Sun hat? Uh, baseball hat. <laughs> ba- probably exactly what I'm wearing right now, to be fair. <laughs> like shorts that are like, I think these are six inch shorts. Six inch inseam shorts, baseball hat, floral shirt. There you go. Let's be real. Yeah. And what's sandals. The, what's the big hat called? The big sun hat? Oh. 
You should get one of those. Oh, I think I see it in your background. Lou is asking why would anyone wear a bucket hat to look because it looks cool. It's it's just silly and dumb. I think I have like There we go. That's like a pool these. hat or something. Yeah. I don't know what to call those. I've got a lot of these. Yeah, you should wear the hats. <laughs> Literally game. Uh hey, it's usually hot and sunny, so you want a protection. While still looking stylish. Nothing wrong with that. What? Nothing. Alright. Okay. We, we should get out of here. Uh, we, we definitely should. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to support our show, go find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. For a dollar subscription a month, you get access to our Discord server. It's a lot of fun there. Uh, so that's just for a dollar. For $5, you get two bonus podcasts, which we still need to record this month. Um, it's only the seventh. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review there. We greatly appreciate those. We're also on Spotify, YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, find our website, crashthepond.com. Uh, f- follow the Sporting Tribune. Follow Jake on Twitter or on X. I'm not calling it X. <laughs> I refuse. It's, it's so Twitter. stupid. It's, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. X Pro. TweetDeck is now called X Pro. It, it, it's Twitter. You're not going to repost? You're not going to repost my, my I X? I am calling it Twitter. <laughs> I am not I'm not changing the icons on here. They're staying as birds. It's Twitter. I don't care. <laughs> oh, it is really funny how screwed up a situation that is. Um yeah. I mean the thing still works. It works fine now. It just looks stupid with that dumb X logo. It it looks like the VRBO logo, just with an X instead of a V. Yeah, it's it's dumb. It's yeah. very dumb. All dumb. Also, Public service announcement. Oh, Giants win. There we go. Uh, public service announcement. I'm as happy as anyone to see Lionel Messi in in North America. I'm happy. Genuinely. It's it's good for the sport. But can we please stop acting like everything he does playing against competition it, that's like ti- at least at least the, seven tiers lower than what he's used to. It's the, it's the timing of it. Can and we it's just the, stop? It's the quality. Can we stop no, kowtowing? But, but the free kicks... Sure, like it's show, hard to show, do. Show show me someone that scores that free kick. I or get someone it. that saves that free kick in any league. I I agree. That is a goal in every single. League. I agree, but there's just this general tenor of you know walking on water, and I just well, let's have let's have some respect well, for, the, here, for the for the guys he's playing against. Here's the good news: this forces everyone to raise their game. Yeah, I mean him being in North America is a net good for the sport in North America, but I also think that I personally am maybe just a grouch and I'm just not that impressed. You're 100% a grouch. But I will say that the free kicks, yes. If you want to go that route, sure. Yeah, and That's two, a, of his, two of his big goals have been free kicks. And I have been beating you in FIFA. So I, how, how long will you duck me? Do we play tonight? I'm down. Okay, all right, been, let's get I've, out of here. Okay, on that note, uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. And go Giants. Go Angels. Bye! (laughs)